This is Digital Marketing Happy Hour Last Call. Grab a beverage and listen while we peruse the news and catch you up on the digital marketing news you may have missed this past week. Digital Marketing Happy Hour Last Call is brought to you by Araxum News. Visit news.araxum.com. That's news.araxam.com to stay up to date on the latest digital marketing and MarTech news. It's updated daily, so subscribe today and never miss out. Now, on with the news. Our first story this week, Google says it may have found a privacy-friendly substitute for cookies. Google said new test results show promising signs that the technology it's hoping will replace cookie-based ad targeting is working. Google and web browser rivals, Apple and Mozilla, have all introduced sweeping privacy changes recently that will collectively phase out cookies, an internet tracking tool that tracks users' web browsing history. Cookies are considered third-party data, or user data that's collected indirectly from users via web browsers and websites. Third-party data is often bought and sold at scale via online data exchanges. For decades, cookies have been the primary way most advertisers targeted users online, but privacy concerns are making it less viable going forward. So the big picture, Google's privacy efforts are happening alongside sweeping changes from Apple that similarly make it harder to track individual user data online. These major changes come amid a privacy reckoning in the US and in Europe over online data. So Chris, this is really interesting. We've been following the story on Digital Marketing Happy Hour for a while about privacy. We'll continue to dig deep into that moving forward throughout the year, but it's really interesting to see some of these changes and announcements in a way that is coming from Google about cookies. Yeah, Ryan, we recorded a podcast a few weeks ago about the iOS 14 changes and the argument they're having with Facebook right now about those privacy settings and the impact that's going to have. And at the time we mentioned third-party cookies are going away in 2021, but there have been sweeping laws all over the globe about privacy changes. And I think you can see here, if Google is testing out these FLOCs or these Federated Learning of Cohorts that are basically supposed to act as a replacement for third-party cookies. This is the future. Privacy is going to become more important, and this is going to be a thing. And as advertisers, you need to be out in front of this, or you're going to be caught with it, and it might impact your ability to reach your audience here. I don't know if FLOCs are going to be the final answer, but I think you have to experiment and try different things out until we find the thing that's going to become mainstream, right? The most secure option. And I think this is an excellent first start. The New York Post is reporting that Disney Plus hits 95 million subscribers. Pandemic-stricken Disney posted a surprise first quarter profit Thursday, boosted by strength at streaming service Disney Plus, which added more than 21 million new subscribers. Disney has said overall that it amassed nearly 95 million Disney Plus subscribers by the end of January 2nd, compared with just under 74 million subscribers at the end of the fourth quarter. The rapid growth of Disney Plus also was lifted by Disney Plus Hotstar in India and Indonesia, which accounted for about 30% of the streamer's total customers. 
Disney Plus, which launched in November of 2019, has grown quickly and is considered a viable rival for streaming giant Netflix, which has amassed more than 200 million global subscribers. In its short lifespan, Disney Plus has exceeded the company's initial subscriber goal of 60 to 90 million by 2024. Now, Disney Plus expects to have between 230 and 260 million new subscribers by 2024. The streaming service has been a rare bright spot for the Mouse House, which has seen massive slowdowns in its theme parks and movie business due to the pandemic. Last fall, the company began restructuring its media and entertainment divisions to focus more on Disney+. And Ryan, this comes after Disney posted two back-to-back quarters of losses because the parks are hurting and movie theaters have been closed. So Disney Plus has created a massive opportunity for the company and they're investing in it, which tells you they see it. They released the Pixar movie Soul exclusive to Disney Plus, and they're also producing a ton of new content. And we talk about the importance of content on this podcast all the time. It looks like this is going to be the future for Disney here. You know, it's interesting about that. And we're seeing it across the board, not just Disney, a lot of with the movie theaters not being open, certain areas, so you're seeing things go on. HBO Max going on Hulu, maybe even at the same time for limited release on the streaming service while they're in the movie theaters. With Disney Plus, what they did is because it's their own movies that normally would have a theatrical release. Mulan was the first one, the live action Mulan that just recently came out. This was a test and we'll see if this actually works out with Disney Plus, but they charge for their subscribers. They charge a premium fee in addition to what your monthly fee is for uh, special access. And I think it was like $34.99. And it was all you can stream of that movie. And Mulan was the first one and it ran for a month. And then after that, they pulled it off and then they opened it up to everybody else. I think maybe for a month or two months after that. So if you wanted to get it right then and there, you had to pay you know an additional basically 35 USD and you had it unlimited for a month. And then for everybody else, you had to wait. They're getting ready to do it again for another movie in March of 2021. Uh, one that I, I just saw the other day, I'm not really familiar with it. It wasn't really highly anticipated, maybe like the live action Mulan was. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to do this and how we'll know if it's working. They will continue to do this. And this will be interesting because you want to talk about getting a premium from households with this. So it's an experiment. We'll see it works. But when you're getting 75 million plus subscribers in your first 18 months. And since Disney's publicly traded, they had their forecast when they first launched that they were anticipating their goal was 50 million in five years. Now think about that, 50 million in five years. And now they're talking about 260 million potentially in their first five years. So what a difference a pandemic makes. And there's no doubt that their streaming is really helping offset all the losses they've had um, through their other business parts around. So while streaming hasn't saved them, it definitely has helped them immensely. And Chris and I really get down a little bit more into live streaming. And episode 42 is live streaming major events, a digital marketing game changer. So we briefly touch on this in other areas of streaming and OTT as it is now. So if you have not heard that, that was just recently released, please go back and check it out. Marketers say COVID vaccines create hope for quick return of in-person events. Marketing Land reports that nearly 75% of marketers they surveyed in the beginning of 2021 said it was highly unlikely they would attend in-person events in the first half of the year. But that dropped to about 20% when asked about the second half. 
In fact, 20% of the nearly 200 marketers polled said they felt there was a 5 in 10 chance they would feel safe to travel to events. Even more surprisingly, 15% of the group said it was extremely likely. That confidence is likely tied to how much effort the vaccine brings. About 78% of those surveyed in the latest events participation index said they plan to get vaccinated. Others said they were unsure, and only 6% said they would not get vaccinated. Of those who said they would get vaccinated, 13% said they would feel safe immediately, assuming that means after the second booster. 37% said they would feel safe after a month, and 29% said they would feel safe after six months. Among the 30% of those marketers they surveyed who said they prefer virtual events to in-person ones, many cited features like convenience, limited environmental impact, ease in asking questions, and of course, the lower cost. And Chris, when we talk about the second half of the year, trade shows typically run in seasons. There is a spring season, which will be out in 2021, and then there's a fall season. So we talk about the second half of events coming. That doesn't mean July. It might not even mean August. Typically, conferences usually start get going really in September. I would say they peak in October, and then you'll even have some in November. And especially in the USA, they try to get those in before the Thanksgiving holiday. You might have some at the beginning of November. So when you talk about that, the second half, you're talking really about Q3, end of Q3, beginning of Q4. And so there's a lot of time between, you know, when this research happens, February 2021, and when some of those conferences will happen. So I think a lot of things can happen. It'll be interesting to see how vaccinations occur, not just in the USA, but globally, because that's a huge impact. So I can see this happening. I tend to think the numbers are a little bit optimistic, but I do think that it is the beginning of a return to whatever the new normal looks like. And what I mean by that is everything in life has risk. The type of individuals that will be the first to go back to these conferences are probably the ones that are quicker to get back to sporting events and things like that. They're willing to take the risk trade-off in terms of, you know, facing the pandemic, right? And in the grand scheme of things, that's absolutely their right to do. On the other hand, I absolutely get it. A lot of industries, a lot of businesses sort of tried to transition to virtual events over this past year. Some did a better job than others, but the reality of it is nobody's logging into an all-day virtual event for eight hours. It's not the same. It's very, very hard to stay seated that long, or even if you have a standing desk, to stay engaged that long. And, you know, Ryan, you and I have had the opportunity to go to several conferences, both stateside and across the globe. Uh, We've been to Inbound, the HubSpot conference, and there's something about being there. There's an energy, a vibe that you simply cannot replicate virtually. So I understand the desire to get back to it. I want to get back to it. I just don't know if it's quite going to happen this year. But you know what? I'm rooting for it to start, and uh, we'll see what happens over time. Search Engine Journal is reporting that Pinterest closes in on TikTok and Snapchat with plus 37% in its monthly users. Although U.S. Pinterest users have grown slower than its international audience, Americans remain the primary source of Pinterest revenue and a goldmine of opportunity for marketers looking to reach and inspire new audiences. Pinterest reported $582 million in Q4 2020 revenue from the U.S. and an additional $123 million worldwide. With growth in every quarter, Pinterest grew its revenue from just over $1 billion in 2019 to $1.69 billion for 2020. 
This active user volume puts Pinterest in the same popularity realm as TikTok, which was reported to have approximately 100 million users as of August 2020. Similarly, Snapchat was reported to have 108 million U.S. users in January 2021. Women were the primary audience to embrace Pinterest when the platform first launched, and they still account for 60% of the global platform's users. However, the company stated in a post on July 31st last year that Gen Z and millennials are driving much of our growth, with the number of men on Pinterest also jumping nearly 50% on the year too. Last October, the platform added, Pinners are engaged with shopping surfaces on Pinterest has grown over 85% in the past six months. According to Pinterest, Gen Z pinners are driving the popularity of beauty trends, such as indie beauty and rainbrows. I don't know what rainbrows are, Ryan, but it's not surprising to see this growth. The platform does a very, very good job of making the information available. And I know people that spend hours curating their boards to look exactly like what they want. The other thing I've noticed from a searcher's perspective is that when I'm looking for stuff, it's very, very common that Pinterest results rank very high on the search engine results page. So this might be a goldmine of opportunity, as Pinterest themselves says. Yeah, Pinterest is really invested in their advertising platform. I think we saw that really with Facebook several years ago when when they invested in it. Of course, that correlated to the same time they became publicly traded. Not only has Pinterest really invested in their advertising platform, they also really invested in their own algorithm and their search within Pinterest is really powerful. So when you see platforms investing that much in both the advertising game and their their search and organic as well within their own platform, you know they're in it for the long haul and I think they're beginning to see that return on investment. That was a quick recap of some of the top news you may have missed from this past week. Before we go, we will leave you with this quote from Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. If you enjoy listening to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, please hit that subscribe button so you can effortlessly get that next episode downloaded on your phone. If you really like us, please give us a rating and a review. We truly appreciate it. This was Last Call. Thank you for listening. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.